This is Crossover Collab Podcast. Welcome to our new series as part of our deep dive discussions called Creative Convos. Today, myself and Josh will be discussing the theme of contemporary Christian music, often abbreviated as CCM, and how it impacts the way that we glorify God with it in our churches. This will be a broad topic, but we're excited to share the first of many conversations diving into the gift of music and the practical theology that surrounds it. Let's begin. Shama is going to come up again in our conversation uh, because Uh today, of course, we are, uh, as part of our creative convos, uh, we're going to kick it off by talking about Christian music. Uh, Mm. It's a very, very wide topic. And we're not fully qualified in all of it. We can only speak about what we know, what we've researched, our own Mm -hmm. experience. But yeah, we hope to just kind of, I guess, pose some questions, maybe give some answers as well, reflect on some kind of biblical perspectives and things. But yeah. Yeah, completely. We talk about this like all the time. and All the time. (laughs) Literally, it's ridiculous. And more often than not, like we say, oh, we should have like pressed record. We should have recorded what we just said there. <laughs> so now we finally decided that it's it's just the perfect time to actually hit record and put out our kind of conversations and all the stuff we talk about. Um, so, but you, Josh, said something interesting to me the other day, which would be cool to like share with other people. Yeah, of course. So, um, bit of bit of background for my second year of uni, which I just complete is. Um, I did a module on music and ideology. So I'm coming at this from a perspective of music serving a purpose to portray the artist's uh, opinions about politics, about life, about religion, about, you know, what how they think the world should work, how they think the world does work and how it doesn't, that kind of thing. So I, I am coming at this from that angle. I do believe music as a whole has the ability to not just communicate what someone thinks about a, a subject, but to actually influence other people that are listening to it to contemplate that very same thing. Uh, you know, music has been proven to be a powerful tool for that. Um, I mean, look at how it's been used in like the hippie movement as one example. Mm. Um, so I did some research into CCM because it was something I really wanted to kind of get to the bottom of, of uh, how has it become the way it's become and is that biblical? Is it helpful to the church for CCM to be the way that it is? I, of course, went into my research fully aware that I had the bias of like, don't like, don't like all these, uh, all these modern, uh, all these modern trash songs. <laughs> uh, so, you know, take from it what you will. And uh, I'm sure you'll be able to hear when my blatant bias rears its ugly head. But um, you're a worship connoisseur. You're just like (laughs) I'm actually qualified to talk about worship music. Um, And that's without getting into the fact that. um, Yeah, there is such thing as a worship degree now. You can Mm. apparently get a specialism in worshiping Jesus Christ. Right. And okay, I I couldn't sleep (laughs) when I found out. (laughs) That's an actual legit thing because it wasn't just a degree in worship music. I will get to my actual point that you asked me for, by the way. I just want to make this very clear. We live in a world where you can get a bachelor's in pop music and worship. 
I'm not going to comment ah. any further on that. Ah. Just want to bring it up. <laughs> I see. No, I, yeah, I see it. So um, as I was doing my research, I discovered these dudes called Howard and Streck, who mm. um, just before the turn of the millennium, they talked about what CCM was at that time. So it was very much in its kind of arena rock kind of period in terms of the mainstream. Mm. Um, so, of course, like these definitions don't fully hold up now uh, in the sense that, you know, 20 years worth of music has been written since then. Uh, so, you know, it won't work for 100% of songs, but as a general tool, they sorted Christian music, CCM, into three categories. Um, so the first of which uh, being separational, the idea that uh, it's music that is overtly about its religious content. Uh, the lyrics are clearly about Jesus. Um, they're not for the mainstream. They're explicitly for people who believe in Christianity and want to profess that through music. Mm. Um, however, one problem with that is that separational CCM has to be accepted by the church in its entirety, which means yeah. that over the course of years, um, as like the whole kind of non-denominational thing has taken more of a root in the Western world in particular, there's this kind of emphasis on not stepping on anyone's toes theologically. So mm. as a result, it gets more watered down and more diluted over time until eventually you can't really make any theological statements in yeah. one way or another. Um mm. Which so it becomes basically abstract in a sense. Yeah, because I mean, it very much has been the case in like, if you look at Catholic tradition, Orthodox tradition, Protestant tradition throughout history, whenever they broke away, they would have along with uh, their own ways of worshipping, they would have their own worship music that they would use. Yeah. Um, but I think because like non-denominational Christianity is such a nebulous concept. It's so ill-defined because mm -hmm. it purely <clears throat> exists in contrast from what already exists. Um, it's very hard yeah. to say, well, what makes someone non-denominational? It's like, well, mm -hmm. they don't fully fit into any one denomination. Yeah. That's really unhelpful as a term. So as a result, yeah. the music becomes quite vague and nebulous. So that's True. separational. Um, the pro, of course, is that it's written for church to be performed on a Sunday. It's something that Christians can sing in community. They can reaffirm what they believe. But the problem is, you know, there they can come this sort of vague abstraction uh, of, of beliefs until you start talking about, like, water symbolism and nothing else. Um, yeah. I'm going to step out into the waves. Life is a storm, but Jesus is at the helm. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was like a wasn't a John Christ kind of skit on this <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, um, and and he he brings attention to that very fact that theologically you can't really make a, a statement, um, or at least you can, but people don't like it, I guess, because it has to cross denominational gaps. Yeah. Well, um, I think it's. Uh, to interject there, I think it's the idea of um, applying to everyone. We want to make it diverse and applicable to everyone. And, yeah, yeah. You know, Your I, truth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to say. I was like, it might be a bold statement, but like there, there's definitely in certain parts of the church, and certainly not all by all means, oh, um, yeah, yeah. but there, there are a few churches that set up 
um, their entire church more like a business. It's a business plan. It's a structure to bring people through the doors. And the higher the numbers, the more successful they are. Um, yeah, yeah. And Without thinking about the fact that every number that is walking through that door has a different perspective on life, yeah. has had a different history before they entered the doors, um, yeah. has learnt differing amounts of information about God, some true, some untrue. You know, so like, yeah, the fact that you then and then you go in and it's like, well, you know, the music doesn't exactly have an opinion about well, who it. God is. Or well, yeah, what that's Christians it. Believe that's it. So All it says can... is you're going through a wilderness, a storm. You're going through deep waters, and um, you know, yeah. I guess it, <laughs> when I'm thinking about the songs, I'm like, is there a proper theological statement? Because I, I mean, I suppose some when I'm thinking about it all, I'm like, the the only thing that they kind of state is um, God will get you through. And <laughs> I feel like, yeah, uh, there, there needs to be more of, of an attachment, which I'm, I believe that's what you're kind of going on to explain and elaborate on. Um, but please continue. I think you, yeah, you were on a roll. <laughs> that's fine. Um, so the, uh, just to get the three categories done. So the first one we've briefly talked about is separational CCM. Hmm. So music written for church, for believers. Integrational CCM tries to integrate with the world, uh, with yeah. secular music. So hmm. it is music that is written to sound secular and to exist in a secular environment, but it has been injected with Christian themes. So it might be a Christian artist is writing about their perspectives on life without necessarily talking about Jesus. Uh, you can infer that they're a Christian from it, but it's not overtly stated, um, which means, you know, it's music that non-Christians can listen to. They can get into it and then they can go, oh, this person believes in Christianity. I wonder what that's all about. So yeah. it's it exists kind of as an evangelical tool and as a way of Christians being able to exist in the world without having to necessarily be of the world. But of course, you can also criticize it for by existing in secular culture, does it then get corrupted by secular culture to become more like it? So does a Christian go into the secular world with a Christian message and then slowly over time has to dilute that in order to please the world? So that's, that's the main problem with those two categories I found in my research that like separational is good in the sense of building up community in the church and being very obviously about, what christians believe but then in an attempt to please people it loses some of its meaning until eventually you know it's very nebulous um yeah yeah. integrational suffers from the same problem in terms of that fear of man but instead of being afraid of what the church thinks about it it's afraid of what the secular world thinks of it Mm -hmm. um the third category which then is able to transcend both of those categories is transformational ccm which, mm. uh, from what I was reading into, uh, is kind of like a middle ground, a mediator between the other two, right. and exists primarily as a kind of meta-commentary on separational and integrational CCM. Right. So it's music that is able to draw attention to you know, the things that are wrong with bad theology in separational CCM, or yeah. it can draw attention to the worldliness of integrational artists uh, while being removed from it. So it's it's a great tool for keeping the other two categories in check um Mm. it's sort of i would see it as like the course correction out of the three um and one of those transformational songs that i looked into is like a case study to 
kind of delve into how it course corrects those two. Okay. Is the Worship Song Song by Sharma. Um, so, yes. Um, he he wrote this song um, with After School Program. You can find it on YouTube. Um, they uh, called their worship collective uh, Random Action Verb Worship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so you can already see it's a very clear satire <clears throat> oh, of yeah. CCM and worship music. And they go through and uh, effectively, my main commentary on it, it's it's a it's simple to get what the message is of it, you know, but for uni, you've got to, you got to go, Oh yes, this is actually yeah. a really profound. It's, it's obvious <laughs> what he's doing. You know, you don't have to be a big brain to understand that it's yeah, taken exactly. the Mickey out of it. Yeah. Um, but in, in the sense of what they were inferring about what CCM should be by blatantly showing what it's become and that it shouldn't be that. Uh, so mm. this idea of, uh, like saying nothing with the lyrics, but having a lot of lyrics and then just repeating them over and over again. So they mean nothing to begin with. They don't say anything about God. They don't say anything about your walk with God, but you're just saying them like ad nauseum <laughs> almost. Um, I've sat through a few songs like that that have been, I mean, we've all heard an Infinite Bridge song before. Uh, any churchgoers, well, uh, happy clappy churchgoers, shall we say. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, that that song in particular. That's that's why I said we'd mention Shama again because he he has a very it's it's very eloquent. It's only three minutes, you know. It's exactly three minutes on the dot. Actually, oh, um, nice. never deviates from its chord progression. There's no there's no bad chords in there. There's no like chromaticism. There's yeah. no muddiness. There's uh, no time signature changes. It's a very, very simplistic piece of music. It's designed to be easy to sing along to, easy to clap to, um, gets you upbeat and ultimately says nothing, um, which right. is, I feel, again, this is probably where my bias shows now. Uh, I feel it's a, it's a huge problem with how uh, modern worship is performed in the sense that a Christian can be singing about nothing for 20 minutes and come away from that feeling happy because they've sung music that has elevated their emotions, mm-hmm. but they haven't actually gotten closer to God and they haven't been in a transcendent experience. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of that, like you can reach the point where you're judging people's hearts without knowing, you know, you'd, yeah, yeah, yeah. This stuff, that. you know, it, it's written because to an extent it does help people get closer to God. It is good to have like a meditative, environment Mm -hmm. and sometimes repeating a bridge ad nauseum is maybe what a believer needs in order to give themselves the time to draw near to god and to into that kind of rhythm with it i suppose Mm -hmm. but of course um to say you know it it bears no wrongs and it's blameless and that uh, it's it's perfect theologically would also be a far cry from the truth
I think the first thing that I kind of want to go to extending from that um, is how we look at creativity. You particularly as someone that creates music, your creativity is a natural way of glorifying God. The, the, the talent and the gifts that he has provided for you um, is something beautiful. And I'm, I'm reading a book right now, which I was gifted, um, called Why Art Matters. Um, All right. by, I believe Alistair Gordon, if I remember rightly. Um, it's Shout a, out yeah. Alistair Gordon! Yeah, boy. <laughs> um, hopefully, I'm sorry if I got your name wrong. Uh, <laughs> the book Shout out the whoever you are if we got your name wrong. <laughs> um, but he mentions... Um, it makes a lovely point in this book how art in itself, essentially there's quite a fair bits of secular art that um, they actually make more statements and uh, are more creative than what you'd find in some CCM. Um, True that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can go on a massive long conversation about that. Um, but yeah, I'll make that short statement, uh, short and sweet kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I feel like this there's getting tied up in trying to make things it's weird because they're trying to make things accessible for Christians. Um, but weirdly mm. it's it's rather diminishing and um yeah. it diminishes a lot of that creativity that is gifted from God. God is the creator of life, of all things that are beautiful yeah, yeah. that we can't even begin to fathom and, and reduce down to mere parts. Um, so I think the fact that, as we've stated many times before, we as Christians should be pretty much embodying that sense of art and creativity should glorify God and we should do it in a way which is interesting. It's diverse. It's, it explores new things. And we see a lot of that kind of themes throughout Genesis, you know, the main thing that I always return to, you know, how God asked adam to name the animals yeah and yeah to garden is also art and the idea of us contributing to the earth by like go forth and multiply there's a constant sense with our humanity about creating and adding yeah but, yeah but yeah i think unfortunately with the general sense of ccm it's taken a nice formula that is pretty oh yeah it kind of works it works for everyone really and hence the whole pop <laughs> Like it pop essentially, yeah, pop and worship music's put together because it's like, well, it works, doesn't it? And that's <laughs> kind of it. It's like people, they're wrong. There's actually quite a lot of people that it, they're hard to come by, but thanks to Spotify recommended, <laughs> <laughs> you manage to come across some really interesting people who do um, veer away from that. But yeah, for the most part, people stick to it because I think it's probably out of fear uh, of going and it's away. easy it's easy exactly. like yeah if you if you rock the boat as a worship leader and worship songwriter if you rock the boat from what people are used to there is the fear that you'll upset them and it's just more effort to try and do something creative than yeah. to just stick with the tried and true tested formula you know little johnny only needs to know three chords on guitar to be able to write the song and mm. Uh, not to say, you know, not to come from this 
place of snobbery of like, oh, well, the music has to be complicated because it doesn't have to be. Mm. Um, but in the sense of not being nuanced, I think that's mm. where it becomes a problem because, well, why does Christian art have to be good? It, first off, I think because it needs to glorify God. And mm. I think it's an insult to God that Christians can pass off some things as art that they pass off as art. Um, yeah. You know, God's not dead, cheap shot, but God's not dead <laughs> is not uh, the most compelling piece of cinema ever no. created. Absolutely. Uh, the Left Behind series mm. is not the most poetically written literature the world has ever seen. And Hillsong's new album about, I don't know, something about drinking wine because we need new wine uh, rather than the wine giver or something. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's not the that's not the height of aesthetic beauty, right? Um, right. So, so that reason to begin with, if you're going to worship God, give your all. And if your all is not very good, that's fine because you gave your all. Mm -hmm. um, when we look at the story of Cain and Abel, Cain wasn't despised. His his offering wasn't despised by God because it was worse. It was because he could have done more. He could have given yeah. more to God. And yeah. he saw Cain's heart was not a heart of worship. So, you know, in the sense that someone in the congregation who is singing their heart out and they're completely out of tune and they're completely out of time and it's starting to distract people. God loves that more than like someone writing an entire intricate symphony that's beautifully played if their heart is far from God. Yeah. Man. Because it's not done as an act of worship, you see. Yeah. So the heart is ultimately what matters. Completely. But that's not to say that we can forgive poor aesthetic practice. If you are mm. someone who's been gifted creatively and you're someone who feels called to write music for God, do paintings for God, do interpretive dance for God, mm -hmm. you know, like whatever it is, you do that to the best of your ability. And that's something that Paul exhorts the church to do as well, is like, whatever you do, whether it be eating, drinking, working, sleeping, even do it for the glory of God. Amen. Um, and I think that's something to hold as important. Um, and then, Very of course, much. the second aspect is like loving people as well. The reason yeah. why we want Christian music to be nuanced is because not everyone's situation is exactly the same. Yeah. And there is nothing less convincing for particularly a non-believer coming into a church than to hear this washed out music that clearly is not about any individual human's experience. It's mm -hmm. vague. It's too timid to say anything about who God is. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, it can leave a sour taste in the mouth. Um, this idea of like, well, this could have happened to anyone. This isn't personal to the people that are singing it. Mm. Um, and if you think about the primary, one of the primary reasons uh, of worship existing in the church, gathering together to worship, the idea of community. I mean, we've been, uh, I've, I've started reading it. You finished reading it and you recommended it to me like 15 times. Uh, <laughs> and then you got me anyway. So thank you. Yeah. Um, I've, we've been reading Analog Church and that talks yeah. a lot about this idea of like not being a copycat church because when you copy another church you become a caricature of it until it's very clear to anyone going that oh okay they haven't put any of their personality into it it's just they're trying to be X church without thinking yeah. about why the conditions were right for one church like if yeah. one church is doing really well doing a particular thing it's not necessarily prescriptive it's the case that a bunch of different factors have aligned and it happens to work for that church. 
Yeah. But if you've got <clears throat> a small church, I'd say that's actually more of a blessing than having a big church because 100%. those people are people that you can disciple more personally and have that extra time to to invest in each person individually, make sure their walk with God is good because you can bring like 10,000 people into a mega church and not one of those people could be saved by the end of the day and you wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, that, that's my kind of two facets of that argument. Like why does mm. Christian music have to be nuanced? I think one, because God deserves it. And two, because quite frankly, people deserve it too. Uh, they d- deserve yeah. better, you know? That's so great, man. Yeah. Um, I think what J.Y. Kim, the writer of Analog Church... Um, Shout out J.Y. Kim! Yeah, boy! <laughs> <laughs> um, we're just going to have like a hundred tags at the bottom of our Instagram post. Put up, put up. Just... <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, just extending on from what you said there, the, there really is that formulaic structure that, yeah, disconnects the whole idea of, you know, we are invited by Jesus and... The church as a whole, yes, is the body of Christ, but we really want to emphasize the individuality of that in in terms of we are brought together and we are appreciated as individuals still and we bring a lot to the table um, and our own contexts definitely matter. So, um, yeah, he really expands on that in terms of worship and of leading in a church. It's much more about, yes, you've got to know how to um objectively deliver the gospel with good exegesis but also he talks about you they need to be part of a community that they'll interact with that community like no other place and i he briefly touches on it and i know there's um a lot of other pastors and scholars that will agree with the idea of not being a traveling pastor Unless, of course, God specifically um, wills that. And, you know, yeah, the, yeah. you know, I, I do believe that there is a, a place for um, certain preachers to travel and go. But it talks about mm. if you are if you have your own church in a place, you need to be there planted in the community, yeah, yeah. knowing exactly their culture, who they are and how to communicate with them effectively. Definitely. Um, definitely. And that doesn't just mean the teaching. That means the music. It, you know, it's the yeah, entire yeah. thing of you You go in into church and because we've made worship music a very, very big deal um, as part of how we glorify God. 100% we need to be realizing how it applies. Um, hmm. But that, that does deliver me to an interesting question, though, and perhaps not an easily answered one, but I'm curious as to your response anyway. How, yeah. how do you think that, worship music could be um provided in a way that is not so incredibly vague but that's perhaps a bit more personal and inviting to a particular community or individuals like do you think there's a particular way in which that can be done or yes (laughs) yeah i figured Um, that'll be your answer (laughs) uh, yeah that's my final answer um (laughs) Do I win the million yet? Um, okay, so <laughs> one one example that I think is a brilliant example of uh, individuality mm. um, in Christian music is King's Kaleidoscope. Um, they've become yeah. very well known over the past few years. Um, and I think a part of it is because they bring something 
fresh to Christian music. Um, mm-hmm. For those who don't know, who aren't familiar with the band, they are a worship collective. Um, <laughs> but in the truest sense of the word, uh, they worship and they are a collective of just individuals from all over. Like they, uh, they get like instrumentalists of all varieties. Mm-hmm. You've got your typical Christian rock band setup, but that's also added to by rappers, orchestra, uh, other samples and things. You know, they they get mm-hmm. creative with it. They really try and think about, as the name suggests, this sort of kaleidoscope of presenting all the facets of the Christian experience. Um, they, I believe, it's their most recent album, uh, like studio release at least. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is Zeal from 2019. Nice. Uh, that was a brilliant album uh, for me personally for my Christian walk as I was going to uni and mm-hmm. dealing with a lot of like, you know, I don't have to necessarily believe all the things my parents did and I've got the chance to go to a different church where they do things differently and, you know, <clears throat> really gave me the chance to go, well, what do I believe and what's the garbage that I can just chuck out? And is there some stuff that I'm chucking out that I shouldn't be chucking out? And is there some stuff that I've kept that I should chuck out? You know, that sort of, right. that sort yeah, of phase. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And what Zeal was all about as an album is this idea that a Christian can both be aware of how amazing God is and how much they need to worship him and how beautiful he is, the height of his grace and his mercy and like what he's done for us, that you can be fully aware of that and still lack the zeal to... Hmm give him that worship that he deserves. Um, And so it was this personal wrestling of like how to actually keep that fire of faith and belief and zeal alive. Mm -hmm. Um, So as an album, it's a very personal wrestling with that concept. Um, The main writer, I can't remember his name now. I think, hang on, I must have written it somewhere. I I did another essay on this. I know I did another <laughs> essay on this. Where is it? Where is it? Earned their rep- Chad Gardner. There we go. Right. I, 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 yeah, Chad. But yeah, that's when good you old know. Chad. That's when you know you got a good. One. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, he um, actually, I've got a quote here from him that I uh, looked at. Um, Worship isn't something that only musicians can do. It's something that we're all doing all the time. It's something we can't turn off. It's wherever you're directing it. You are glorifying God right now in this interview, because he was in an interview, Hmm. (laughs) doing what you're good at and what God crafted you and gave you a skill to do. So that actually goes into what you were talking about earlier, Brandon, with that kind of Genesis idea. um, And even through to like in Paul's letters, that idea of whatever you do, do for the glory of God. Um, So, yeah, you can see like his perspective come through in his music it is still overtly, clearly about God and it exists to glorify Jesus. It, but it is also able to uh, examine the personal experience of a believer and to yeah. go, look, it's okay to have doubts sometimes. It's okay to have questions. And it's okay if sometimes you don't feel like it, but the importance is that God still deserves it. And hmm. as the album develops, there is this sense of, breaking out of apathy knowing that you're apathetic towards god and yet still choosing to break out of that apathy and still mm. glorify god and the music reflects that by just being awesome <laughs> yeah, so you know it's it's aesthetically good it's got a great message and i mm. believe the theology behind it is sound um, yeah it's not going to be perfect 
but it's mm. sound. Um, that's and so that's to kind of answer your question in the sense of, you know, is it possible to create something that is unique and individual, but also still agreeable, I suppose? It's like, well, finding the truths of the Bible is a good starting point. Like if you say something in the Bible's own words, uh, there are very few Christians who are going to disagree and the ones mm-hmm. who do probably haven't read it very well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, there's a bit of nuance with that in terms of how you interpret those scriptures and how you're framing them, what you add to them and stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, as a as a general rule of thumb, starting with scripture, not a bad idea. In fact, it's a much better idea than just starting with yourself. Yeah, completely. But then in terms of incorporating your own uh, your own style, your own personality, to the extent where you're tailoring it to the people that you know, the people you're performing it to, you know, this this sense that um, in terms of what the worship leader's role is, is not there to put on a performance. It is there to get the other people in the congregation to worship God. Uh, thinking about that zeal idea again, like this was an example of a worship leader writing an album to himself Mm-hmm. making himself have the zeal like he's leading himself to worship a bit how yeah. uh, a bit like how david does it in the psalms where mm. he gets himself he lifts himself out of that but of course uh the worship leader does that for the congregation as well that's their role on a sunday is like whatever week these people have had i'm going to bring them into a place where they can worship god and they can yeah. do so honestly openly truthfully and in spirit you know mm. um so that that's the thing to remember uh, is like who you're performing it for. Remember yeah, God, man. remember what, what you need to say to God and remember how to communicate that to other people. So mm-hmm. as you say, it's very similar to teaching in that sense. Completely. Um, it, it, having it tailored to the congregation and also it can teach people a lot. I think people don't realize how much stuff they can <clears throat> subconsciously learn while listening to music. There's yeah. the there's of course the thing that I don't think holds any actual scientific <laughs> weight, but you know the classic thing of uh, play Mozart to a kid while they're in the yeah. womb, and they'll be a genius. You know there yeah, is this right. recognition that at least there is some kind of effect that music has on a subconscious mm-hmm. level, and that can be good in the sense of if you're reaffirming the truth of scripture through music, you will know them in your heart because you're singing them and you're reminding yourself of them. But if you're singing one of those Jesus is my girlfriend songs, <laughs> then, you know, that's what you're internalizing. That's what your view of God becomes. And yeah. if you're not aware of the fact that that's what you're turning God into, you'll just do it without realizing it. Um, Completely. And, and that can, it can be probably even preaches something that isn't true from the pulpit. Because if it's blatantly not true, you know, it's easier to oppose it. But if it's something mm-hmm. that's like subtle and you're not even aware of, then that can be a, a lot worse, uh, I've yeah. found. Well, it's really cool to look at these parallels between, you know, teaching through through preaching and teaching through worship. Because, well, <laughs> I, I was going to say that there's a lot of um, emphasis on pastors and, and preachers being very qualified in what they teach. Although I'm not going to lie, I think that's declining. I think the idea of yeah. people wanting um, qualified teachers is declining and it, sh- it should be increasing, um, Yeah, to be honest. Yeah. You know, honestly, you've <laughs> has very strong views on 
how yeah. we should have qualified yeah. people teaching. But um, Jesus calls the unqualified. Yeah, that's see, that's if the he's thing. He's called them. He qualifies them. Exactly, know? that's the point. He does call them qualified, but he then makes them qualified, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a PhD. You don't even have to have a master's or anything like that. I do believe that that there can be a natural process, if God wills, to not go to seminary or anything like that. But you do need to go through deep intense character development and a lot of biblical study a lot yeah, yeah, without definitely. a doubt like anyone that says otherwise you you cannot teach in a subject we say it with any other secular thing i i would not trust i went to study dance for three years i would not trust blooming, <laughs> i'm trying to think of an example i can't i can't oh Missed opportunity, but well, I just... Brendan, I think you'll find that the five pillars of dance are... <laughs> Josh, um, Josh, movement, I wouldn't trust you. <laughs> direction, uh, uh, vectors, <laughs> realization, and, and, and this is the most important of the five pillars, getting down funky with it. Yeah. To be fair, you do all right, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty qualified. That's that's literally as complex as dance gets, right? As uh, a subject. 100%. <laughs> but yeah, uh, point proven perfectly. If Josh were going to teach me dance, we'd all flip out. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's that kind of thing. Like, you need because someone to be Because this guy isn't representing the subject well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's, and so, you know, we... we generally take that approach and you know despite having a little tangent mini conversation about the qualifications of pastors um i think it's interesting to look at the qualifications of worship leaders and that doesn't yeah, mean go on, yeah. go on don't go get a degree in worship or pop <laughs> music and worship i don't mean that i mean in terms of like um i think as c.s lewis has kind of put it and mainly um Steve Turner from that um, book that we've read yeah, as well, yeah. in that people who are genuinely um, gifted in that in that art and what God has provided, that can be something that um, facilitates genuine glory to God. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think as well, something that's important to mention when it comes to this idea of like being qualified to be a worship leader. Um. One of the biggest mistakes I think the church has co-opted from the secular world is this idea that if you are good at a thing, that is the function that you exist to do. So if you are good at drawing, you have to be an artist. If you're good at laying bricks, you have to be a bricklayer. If you're good at numbers, you have to be an accountant. If you can retain a lot of facts, you have to be a scientist, you know, that sort of thing. On that's on. true. That's um, true. I think that extends into the church as well. This idea of, oh, well, you, you seem talented at that thing. You seem to have a gifting in it. That is different from God calling someone to do a particular thing. Because if that's we true. think about this idea of, well, why, why does in the Bible, why does God call the unqualified? As we've already established, he does qualify them after the fact. So it mustn't be the fact that they lack qualifications. It must be the fact that there's something about the heart of that person that God wants to use or even a skill they don't know they have. So mm-hmm. this idea that, you know, you you discover that you're good at. So for the worship thing to be more to the point, mm-hmm. just because I 
have uh, a talent for music because I have a predisposition towards creating music doesn't mean that that is my sole function on earth. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that if I don't make music, I'm not existing properly or that I'm not doing what God wants me to do. Mm-hmm. Because quite frankly, God could tell me tomorrow to pick up sticks and move to another country or to just, I don't know, even something like take a desk job or work at Sainsbury's or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if that was what God willed for my life, then that would be what I would do. And I would, I think I'd struggle with it, this idea of like, but I meant to be a creative. <laughs> but yeah, like, right. if I don't get to do what I want to do, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> uh, so in that sense of worship, you know, I think people who are talented at music should definitely consider if they've got a heart for worship and if they've got a calling for worship, I think it's something they should definitely pray into and mm-hmm. have a look at like, you know, is there a way that I can express my personal belief in God through music? And mm-hmm. if you think you can do that without pride becoming a factor, without things getting in the way of that, then go for it. I think the world needs more good worship music from good creative people. Yeah. Um, but I think just as much that, you know, someone can lead worship who doesn't know a lick of music theory, doesn't know what they're doing, but they mm-hmm. just have a heart for seeing people worship God. And yeah. I think the skills can come later in that case, yeah. you know, like God That's can true. bless a person. And I've I've heard of the thing of, you know, God can give someone a gift. He can take it away. Uh, this mm-hmm. idea, you know, if someone gets too proud, I mean, their voice can break for no reason. They seem random. Uh, voice breaks. I've yeah. had a fair few on this podcast. They're not pretty. <laughs> um, it's usually when I'm all full of myself and God's like, I shall smite your voice box. <laughs> and then you will remember that you are mortal. Um, and no, yeah, I don't right. think God talks like that. Um, <laughs> I mean, how would he talk? You know, I, I, I reckon that's a... That's a he talked like that in his King James phase. Yes, yeah, what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, in terms of King James, sure, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, I, I think this has been a good start. Um, hundred percent. If anything else comes to mind in the next thirty seconds, feel free. Mm. But I think this has been a nice expose. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, just yeah, stuff definitely. to really get you thinking. If you're still listening, like uh, you know, is, is worship music where it should be? Mm. Uh, and I challenge you as well go out there find some worship music that genuinely honors God has some strong theology and is also beautiful and profound there's a lot out there you just gotta look for it um yeah completely so, yeah it, be encouraged it takes with that. time it's not all doom and gloom <laughs> thank you everybody for joining us as we journey together to seek the Lord and his goodness and get the hell away from that Bethel music garbage that's the nicest Christian word I can think of Um, please join us next time for more cynical conversations, I mean creative convos Um, we may talk about another movie if we actually have a movie that we've both seen recently enough to know what we're talking about um have a safe journey home don't forget to be constantly afraid of the future and the gradual decline 
of the human spirit and culture and all things good in the world. Thanks for listening.